Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. All right, okay. shall we get started? Yeah. You watch, um, you're going to die because this professionalism is going to kill you. Okay, I'm ready. Sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School. I'm Matt Donnelly, and we are broadcasting from, well, all kinds of different places because it's a bank show. This week, Penn is going to be sitting down with the co hosts of the Side Hustle podcast, Chelsea and Sarah. You may recognize Sarah's voice from our own theme song. She's one of the voices you're hearing right now. And here they are, preaching the love, Chelsea, Sarah, and Penn. Get ready. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell this story real quick because my great aunt Mary, who passed when she was 93, who was most in a car of the war, and then she she's dead. Okay. She died. Yeah, oh. at 90, not 93 miles an hour. She, 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 <laughs> I thought she passed at 93. Was. I was gonna go. She's driving fast. She's she barely barely probably shouldn't be in the HUV lane. No, with her BFF, no. and Selma and Louis. And she's small. She was short, so she probably couldn't see over the wheel. Oh. Is why she blocks on the uh, accelerator. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. She was a um, killer, uh, Mary. She killer, to. Mary. That's what they called her. Yeah. Well, she was. She was in vaudeville. What did she do in vaudeville? What was her gig? Mary was part of her two other sisters, Agnes and Rose, were the Clark sisters. She played the fiddle. They were kind of like a, a, a singing trio, like the yeah. Andrews sisters, but they were the. Clark. And did they do a little bit of comedy in there? Must have a little bit. I, you know, they were they danced very and sang mostly, but I think there had to be, it's and she was tiny, so I think was there was a lot more. But many, many people were people were smaller and lived near the water. <laughs> 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 you know, when yeah. they were in uh, when I was in high school, mm -hmm. uh, briefly, they um, <laughs> they uh, took us. Uh, one of the trips we went to uh -huh. was the USS Constitution. Which was a battleship docked in Boston. And I'm from Western Massachusetts. So a trip to Boston was a huge deal. Yeah. That was a two hour bus ride for us. And I still remember. Not if Mary was driving. Right. Like <laughs> maybe an hour 10. Yeah. Yeah. Top. And uh, I remember, I don't remember anything as a rule. Yeah. But I remember from when I was a child, they took us to the USS Constitution. That was the big thing that the older children talked about. You went in sixth grade, and the older children said, oh, you're going to go to the USS Constitution. And I remember they took us to a joke shop, a magic shop, and I'd never seen a joke shop or a magic shop. But they had um, uh, plastic vomit for, for a joke. You know, <laughs> yeah. you throw it down and say, oh, someone was sick. And I remember that it made me so sick. Looking at the fact that they had plastic chunky. vomit. Oh, oh yeah. I, I just, I've always not liked any sort, I'm, I'm not a scatological 
comedy guy. I know I made the aristocrats, but <laughs> I really, I'm really always bothered by it. When it goes yeah. to vomit jokes or fart jokes okay. or shit jokes, I always tense up and I remember seeing the vomit in the kid and being excited about going to a joke shop. Yeah. And then seeing that the idea of a joke shop was plastic vomit. Big vomit. And I remember gagging. Oh. And thinking that I was going to vomit and how embarrassing and terrified that was. And then we had, it's all going to tie together. Then we had little powdered sugar donuts. And the donuts had some sort of industrial taste to them. Yeah. Like like a chemical, like like essence of plastic. Like when you're going down on Little Debbie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That same taste. Yeah. (laughs) Slightly metallic. Yeah. And, um, Somehow my brain attached those cheap sugary donuts to the plastic vomit. And I'm still uncomfortable with cheap sugary donuts. High quality sugary donuts, I'm fine with. Yeah. Yeah. But little cheap ones. Like like, Hostess that come in the white bag. Hostess, I'm kind of okay. There's a a cheaper one that are- Cheaper than They're circular. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're a sphere. Yeah. And they're uh, they're only circular if this were a two-dimensional world, and we're not in that. They're spherical. Yeah, they are. And they're dipped yeah. in powdered sugar. Yep. And they have the taste of, of plastic. plastic vomit yeah. in a Boston Joke magic store. That was my first real um, association to magic, and that's where I grew to hate it. And um, then- That's a perfect segue. You wrote your own segue scooter here. No, no, but watch this. Watch how this all comes together. I I will show you. We're talking about Aunt Mary, right? Yeah. Yeah. And how diminutive she was. Yeah. We went to the USS Constitution, and I was a big old thing. Remember, I was taller than my second grade teacher. Holy moly. You know how much grade school teachers who get into this whole thing because of a power trip yeah. over little people when there's a larger person than them in the class, the hatred they have mm. is overwhelming. Palpable. So we got to the, um, I was fine with overwhelming. I didn't yeah. need palpable. Oh, sorry. I just, I just, just so you know. I'm showing off. Palpable would have been fine. I, you guys, you know, I, I <laughs> as soon as Pin walked in the room, I was like, quick, Chels, thanks. Think of lots of words. And I was yeah. like, I'm ready. Ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the USS Constitution, they all told me, you know, this is from when people were smaller and lived near the water. Because going through the USS Constitution is one of the nightmares of my life, along with being on Geraldo Rivera's yacht. <laughs> and I'll tell you. Because of the mustache? They put me, yes. Oh, terrifying. They put me in uh, when he was going down on Aunt Mary. Yes. There, 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 little Debbie. And little Debbie. Yes, and little yes, Debbie. Thank you. Uh, but I was just thinking about going down oh, on Aunt Mary. So oh, no. the doorways were 5'3", five, 5'4", oh. five, and made of metal. Yeah, they were like hobbit holes. Made almost. of metal. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible, horrible. And I remember being in that claustrophobic USS Constitution. And that trip to Boston is when I developed my hatred for magic and also decided I'd never be in the military. Because <laughs> those little places. And there was a thing that my nephew did. He lived in a little house, a oh, very little house. Like a tiny home? No, no, it was before tiny homes. Oh, just a little house. He just lived in a small house across the street from his mother. It was on a fairly big plot of land because yeah. it's, you know, it's the sticks. But it was a very, very small house that was built many years ago. And I would, I went to visit him. And this is recently. This is maybe 20 years ago. 
he does outdoor tree work. He goes up in a tree. An arborist? He's, uh, I can't stop with the words. Arborist? I literally... <laughs> yeah. I'm like a steel trap. I was, she was reading the dictionary all morning <laughs> when I wasn't Googling you. You're so happy because you only got to arborist. <laughs> That's true. Listen, A, you kind of just finished there. You might you might be okay with groundskeeper. Oh, but that's that would have been five letters later. Yeah, I didn't get that far. No, there was a but, lot between our so and groundskeeper. He's there taking care of trees, like making sure. Yeah, but he was also groundskeeper at Deerfield Academy, oh. which is all where the rich people send their children. Oh. Now, when I say nephew, you—he's—he's—he's he's, he's an elderly man. He's—he's um, only seven years younger than me. So, oh. because my sister was 23 years older than me. But don't think it's some sort of Bobby Darren or Jack Nicholson story, because I don't think it is. You know that both Jack Nicholson and Bobby yes. Darren, they're sisters with their mothers? Yes, I did yeah. know that. Not true for me, I don't think. There are pictures of my mother in the hospital, okay. and both of them on their deathbeds did not, did, not confess. did not bring it up. Do you know how Jack Nicholson found out that his sister was his mother? No. Oh, did man. Did she tell him? This is, I'll get back to where I'm going. I know you will. <laughs> she didn't tell him, no. He had done Chinatown. Now, remember the B story of Chinatown? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And he was doing interviews, I think, with Esquire magazine. And the interviewer said to him, so how did you feel when you found out that the woman you thought was your sister was actually your mother? Oh, no. And there was a long, long, long pause on the phone. And the interviewer said, you didn't know. And Jack said, no. And the interviewer said, I guess the interview's over. <laughs> and he said, wow. yeah. The interviewer had gone through court records just to, get, to get deep stories on just, Jack. We he did the same to, thing in preparation sure, for this podcast. He wanted to do a different, you said, you know, Penn's related to an arborist. Let's bring that up. I have to be honest with you, though. I did. I always have known you or known about you, not known you personally, but like know who you are. But then I decided to do a creepy Google because like, why not? But now I know too much. Like I know that your mom was born in 1909 and now I have to live with that knowledge looking at your faces, well, knowing too much about you. She's uh, She was wicked old when I was born. Yeah. So I went to see my nephew, Denny. There he is. Um, and Denny, um, when I went to the house, because he works outdoors and has a lot of experience with this. By the way, Denny can work for 10 hours in like minus zero weather. And I say, aren't you freezing? He goes, it's never the weather. It's always the clothes. Here's a man who knows how to dress for cold. So I went to the, the, the ante room of his tiny, tiny house, a little like shed. And he said, put this on. And he gave me a hard hat. And he said, I can't count on you to remember how low the ceilings are, so you will bump your head. And everybody laughed. And then I went in and I was hitting that hard hat <laughs> like crazy. all the fucking time. So um, Good job, uh, Denny. it was, that was Denny. Denny, Denny um, I love Denny very, very much. And Denny um, talks like I would if I hadn't left Greenfield. And there was one very embarrassing thing. Teller was visiting, along with me, visiting my parents in Greenfield. Mm-hmm. And the phone rang, and my mom and dad were in their chairs. So Teller said, I'll get it. And uh, Teller answered the phone and said, hello. And a voice said, uh, I, I tell her, this is, uh, this is Daddy. Uh, uh, I, was, I, was, uh, I was thinking that we were going to come over and maybe have uh, supper a little later. And, uh, and, Danny, and Teller says, listen, Penn, 
You cannot get on the phone and just sound stupid and think you sound like Deddy. You don't sound like Deddy just by talking stupid. And at that oh, point, no. I walked into the kitchen and tell her went, oh. Deddy? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, but but Deddy, if I if I if I if I put on my regular uh, Greenfield accent and talk like I was brought up to talk, like Monday, I, 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 I sound just like Denny. We sound identical. Denny tells this story that I think is, I just wish it were a Bob and Ray routine from the 50s. I was talking to Denny about tree work. Yeah. And Denny said um, that he would go up 40, 50 feet in a tree with a chainsaw, right? Yeah. And he said... Um, well, it's dangerous enough, you know, be up that high, but also holding a holding a chainsaw. If you fall, you you can also fall on the chainsaw. Oh, yeah. So it's 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 really dangerous. And I said, well, Denny, if you feel yourself falling, can't you just throw the chainsaw far away from you? And Denny went, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can do that, yeah, but it's tied to you. So it comes right back. Because if it's not tied to you, uh, no one will work your ground crew. <laughs> but I always think that the perfect New England humor is, yeah, yeah you can yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But then it's tied, tied to you. <laughs> Feels like a good old vaudeville bed, even. Yeah, it yeah. does. It yeah. does. Yeah. 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 But it's tied to you. But it's tied to you. You know my favorite New England joke from the Bert and I. You know Bert and I. You probably don't know Bert. I don't and I. know Bert. Bert and I are always credited as being the traditional Yankee humor, okay. except they were from California, I think, <laughs> and they went to Harvard. Talk. And when they they're rich kids, really rich kids, they would go up to a farm in Maine. And they learned the accent, learned some of the jokes, and put out all these records. You know, um, back in the 70s, maybe even into the 80s, if you traveled somewhere in the gift shops that also have records of local humor, you know, oh, yeah. like you go to Shreveport, Louisiana, and they'd have like, whatever his name was, Brother Dave something was popular down there. Mm -hmm. And you'd go to, you know, Florida, and they'd have a, and, and up in Maine, they'd have Bert and I. That's Bert and I, right? Mm -hmm. And they ended up, these two rich kids, ended up making their living pretending to be Maine farmers, which everybody believed they were. Appropriation. Uh, well, very Maine much. Farmers. Ma yeah. major. And there's oh. a joke in there that just kills me for the New England timing of a joke. And it goes like this. My wife has been sick for 14 years. And I've had to wait on her hand and foot. I sure wish she'd get better. Or something. <laughs> also, this voice has like essence of like Tom Hanks. Somehow close your eyes and listen to him do it. It's like Tom Tom Hanks is Bert and I. <laughs> yeah, 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 you could you could throw yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. You could throw it, but yeah. oh, it's tied to you, so it comes right back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. My but, favorite uh, is you can't find anyone to work your ground crew. <laughs> 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 so yeah. Um, but, uh, you, so um, when I think of uh, going down in your Aunt Mary, 
Oh, um, yeah. When I and think of back. that and how little she was, yeah. I think about how she would probably be able to scamper around she the USS be, Constitution. Oh, a just sailor. in and out. She could have been around a with a little with with a little packet of plastic vomit in one hand yeah, and some really cheap donuts yes. in the other. Yes. Just terrifying. Just you. just hiding plastic vomit and and giving out <laughs> sugary donuts <laughs> and playing the fiddle and playing and, the fiddle. Honestly, that was her act. You know, you went to school in California. I did. Yeah. You can tell. And you had a whole um, showbiz family. I had a whole showbiz family. Yeah, I just, I, I don't, I just don't understand that at all. It's because, amazing. Yeah. Where were you from? Oh, I'm from Oak Ridge, Tennessee. So oh I'm goodness. from the opposite. My life is the opposite of Sarah's. Now, did you, when's the first person you met who were in their living in show business? Who was the first person I met that was like making their living in show business? Yeah. Well, this is a great... That's story. what I just said. I know. I had to... Like, <laughs> sorry. I was repeating the question to make sure I understood. I don't mean an arborist. I mean I, it was like a very pageant girl thing. You repeat it, it yeah, and then you're so like, that you well, can, yeah. excellent question. Thank you. Truthfully, Dolly Parton. So I was always like an, our hustler. The first person our, you met was Dolly Parton. That was making a living in show business. Yeah, But you absolutely. met personally. Yes, because I was you in her Dolly. show when I was Speaking a kid. of short... She's a tiny lady. We were like the same. So when I was 11, I was hired. She was doing a Christmas show at Dollywood, which was like an hour away from where I grew up. Uh And so I was hired because I was like a creepy kid that loved to tap dance and sing. Nothing's changed. I'm just tall. (laughs) So then I had auditioned and I got this job. And so I tell everyone, I'm like, this was my first experience working in professional entertainment. And Dolly Parton is the most wonderful, kind, lovely human. And you met her one-on-one. Yes. And you said to yourself, boy, am I flat chested. I was like, I was like, <laughs> you just wait. Because I was like so under, I mean, Sarah knows, we've talked about this. Like yeah. we both grew up dancing. I did not like hit puberty until like 15. So I was literally like, dear God, please let me wear a bra. Please let me get my period. And, like I just could not wait. And, yeah. So I was 11. And, and God answered. <laughs> this is the first example I've seen in my atheist life yeah. of a little glimmer of maybe Yeah, God. there's hope. There, Look there at these D's. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just boobs for days. Yeah, you've, yes. got, you've got the heavers. Yeah, they're they're here. Inspired by I Dolly Parton. But if, but but if we're being honest, I've also prayed to God for boobs and I never got well, them. So there's the con- our God works yeah. in mysterious ways. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I prayed for boobs. <laughs> But yeah, many many times, often. Yeah, so not to my, have them, but, but to just have, have them, them around you, yeah. like around amongst, amongst me. Yeah, yeah. But that was my first experience, and she was the most wonderful, and she was so kind. And I remember the first thing she said to me because we were in rehearsal all day, and we like rehearsed with the choreographer. She said, Boy, you need some tits. No, the first she thing didn't. She said, okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> she was so sweet to me, and so I remember like they were like, "Okay, Dolly's coming this afternoon," and there's like five of us kids, and we were singing, "I'll be home with bells on." I still remember the choreography, and my mom was there, of course, and my mom was like, "Don't be weird," and I was like. Ah, promise that and so then she came in and she looks at me she goes oh aren't you pretty and i went you are too because i was just like you're she's beautiful and she was so sweet and she knew all of our names and she talked to us and and i was like wow everyone that works in showbiz is so nice yeah (laughs) dolly parton yeah is an example of just the smartest yeah funniest yeah and kindest yes and best bred yeah. person you're ever going to meet just incredibly polite if i had to say you're going to meet one person in show business mm-hmm. and that is going to be what you remember i can't think of a better example than yeah. Dolly Parton. You can put, too soon. you can put tom hanks jay leno and um and um bb king 
mm-hmm. on that list. Oh, but really? Jay Leno is so nice, it's oh. creepy. Like it may be a mental illness. Oh, like you may really? not believe it. And Tom Hanks, it's his job. Yeah. But yeah. B.B. King, I would put up against Dolly Parton. Yeah. And I'm really? picturing that now, and it's a nice look. I think yeah. I downloaded <laughs> that. But B.B. Um, uh, King is the level of nice that Dolly that. Parton is. Yeah. And the things that she's done for East Tennessee, like, because this, you know, her own dad couldn't yeah. read. So she gives every kid born in Tennessee a book a month until and she, she turned and five. A book a month? A book a month. It's called Dolly's Imagination Library. And she also, uh, she also uh, cured COVID. Single-handedly. Yeah. Really you know, did. that was the thing. That's when I realized that our, our our country was really on a downward slide. Yeah. When the um, anti-vaccination thing hit. Yeah. And I think I actually said, maybe to Matt, I said, you know, if somebody who was really popular in the red states mm-hmm. came out in favor of this, maybe we could turn people around. Yeah. And Dolly Parton did a pro-vaccine yeah. Um, video. Yeah. And I went, well, that's it. This yeah. is solved. She, and it didn't change anything. Oh and I God. went, we're fucked. Yeah. yeah. We're yeah. fucked. She also donated like $1.5 million. Yeah. She, I mean, it's just unbelievable. She also picked the right horse. Yeah. How'd she do that? There was a lot of people working on vaccines. She picked the ones that were going to do it. Because Dolly can do no wrong. Dolly can do no wrong. Yeah. I spent um, a, a New Year's Eve at, um, I think it was Geffen's house with Barbara Streisand, Dolly Parton, Dustin Hoffman. We were the entertainment. And I remember I, I remember saying, we want, Teller does this thing where he swallows 100 needles, six feet of thread, yeah. brings the needles up threaded, right? And we said, we were trying to decide... In the show, in the proper show all yeah. the time, we don't plan who we're going to pick. But in this crowd, we thought we should. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were backstage talking to the host or the or the host's assistant and said, um, who should we pick for needles? Yeah. And Teller described the bit. And he said, I think go for Dustin Hoffman. And Teller went, I, I think we want like, the least famous person we can get. And he said, that's what I was going for. (laughs) (laughs) So that was, that was the company. That was the party. And, uh, and after new year's hit, it ended up teller was of course talking to Barbara Streisand. Of course. And I was over talking to Dolly Parton and talking to Dolly Parton for me was a little bit like a Jewish giant at home in Brooklyn, the Diana Arbus picture. Cause it just, uh, you couldn't have me be more freakish than just contorting so my whole tiny. body. And her to whole talk body to is like this. Yeah. And she's so and she's beautiful. Because how tall is she? She's five, would maybe 5'2", but then she wears giant heels. I would five, say maybe? with the giant heels, maybe 5'2". Oh, wow. I would think, I would think, I mean, if we're talking Paul Simon. We were the same size when I was 11. We're yeah, talking, so she was, we're talking oh, Paul Simon. <laughs> red hot chili peppers. The red hot chili peppers are so little, how they little look like they're they? further away from you. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're and supposedly they keep getting closer, but they don't get any bigger. I've supposedly ACDC is oh, smaller, so is smaller than the Red Hot Chili Peppers. No. But there's a wow. picture of me backstage with Flea and Anthony, and I actually have my hands on my knees and I'm bent over because I'm I'm deaf. 
So I want to be able to hear Anthony, who's speaking like a California as mayor of the Munchkin City. <laughs> he was like well, doing that. No, he's speaking like this. So, uh, you know, I really like this really like stuff you do. And Flea is named Flea because he's teeny tiny. Yeah. So I'm leaning over like this, and it really looks like I've come to Munchkin Land. <laughs> I love that. But I always have to say, uh, although uh, showbiz people, rock and roll people, yeah. tend to be little, yeah, mm-hmm. there are exceptions. Led Zeppelin is a tall band. Oh, really? The yeah. whole band is tall? The whole band is tall. I mean, Jimmy Page uh-huh. is like 6'1". I was going to say, too, for our listeners, I wonder, I don't know how much I trust you in general. No, just kidding. But because you're five. No, you're, you're six, seven. You are giant. Right. So that's so why I'm maybe saying, your opinion is that's stupid why. of who's um, um, Maybe they're average. What's his name? Uh, my best friend's Joe Jackson. Sure. Your Joe, best friend is Joe Jackson. No, no. But Joe Jackson <laughs> had a song, My oh, Best my Friend's best Girl. girl. Yeah. He was, was one, of the, um, yeah. one yeah. of the fake punk people. In the early yes, '80s, yes. he's um, he's uh, he's six seven. Wow! Uh, we wouldn't expect it. My Plays himself off as little, but he he was tall. And of course, our Rick Kasich. And she used to be mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other tall band, surprisingly, the Grateful Dead. <gasps> Grateful? Jerry Garcia. Is Not tall. particularly. He's the shortest he one of them. Yeah. But Bob Weir is over six foot, and huh. so is Phil Lesh. I don't. I don't want to pretend I'm a. I'm a fan of the Grateful Dead because I don't judge my music entirely by height. <laughs> by height, and so the, I do. So we know that uh, I'm a we know that, only. that the Red Hot Chili Peppers can go on the USS Constitution, yes. but the Grateful yes. Dead cannot. Right. We have yes. solved the America's Navy problem <laughs> yeah. if, they, if they had one. That, you want to. You want to stay them. away. You want to try to keep the Grateful Dead off the USS Constitution. It is true. There'd be a lot of banging heads. Yeah. And heads in both sense. We'd have. Oh. (laughs) In both sense. In both sense. In both sense. Oh, man. They don't need a hard hat. You know, I try to. Because I had. And um, this was a, a horrible experience for me. I went to a baseball game with Lauren Michaels and Paul Simon. Right? How tall is Lauren Michaels? He seems short. Well, that's where the story's going. Sorry. So, uh, Lauren Michaels called me up and said, do you want to go to a baseball game? And I said, no. And he said, well, Paul Simon and I are going to a baseball game. I'd like you to come along. I said, I I don't want to go to a baseball game. I'm not a sports guy. He said, you have to understand, Ben, this is business. I said, well, if it's business, let's meet in your office. Why am I going to a baseball game? Yeah. And he said, you're coming to a baseball game with us. So I went to a baseball game with Paul Simon and Lauren Michaels. So we're sitting, and I get along very well with Paul Simon. I love Paul Simon, right? One of the people that's most important to our career, uh, Paul Simon, Paul Newman. They both left their credit cards on file in our off-Broadway show and sent at least 10 people a week to our shows. Amazing. that's I didn't incredible. know that about Paul Simon. I knew that about Paul Newman, Paul Newman. And I and I love that story. I think it's such an important thing to to like to to have out there that they they literally left their credit card at the box office and would send people and just say tell them that you're yeah, my friend. They, yeah. they, they would call they, their system would call up and say Paul's got five guests coming tonight. Yeah, and they'd say Newman or Simon. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Only Paul's. Paul's yeah. only. Yeah. Paul's but only. I didn't know Paul, Paul Simon did that. Paul That's Newman really sent everybody. And Paul Simon would also go to meetings and say, have you seen the Penn and Teller show? And if they said no, he'd say, listen, pretend you're in show business. Go see the Penn and Teller show. You should see it. So Paul saw our show in the first three weeks. He saw it like three times. And Paul Newman was there all the time. And Paul Newman, when we first opened on Broadway, 
brought two busloads of his racing crew to all see to all see Penn and Teller. That makes Paul, me so happy. Paul Newman yeah. and Paul Simon were just were just fabulous. So I'm with Lauren Michaels, and I had a wonderful time with Paul Simon and Lauren Michaels, who is um, an odd fellow to say the least. Lauren Michaels said, "You know, it's it's really odd that you're funny uh, and, you, and you you do a good job because." Big people are not funny. All your all your geniuses of comedy. I mean, Charlie Chaplin is tiny. All all the real people that are great in in comedy are all short. I don't know why that is, but you don't get tall people that are funny. And I said, and and you you yourself are short, aren't you, motherfucker? <laughs> I said, and I didn't the have I didn't have comedy. the wherewithal to say, well, there's Bob Hope, right, right. and there's Steve Martin. Steve oh, yeah. Martin, who's I think six one, six two, and not to mention Conan O'Brien. Right. Oh yeah, and he's super. Howard tall. Stern. Oh yeah. I mean Conan O'Brien, Howard Stern are both almost my size. I mean Conan very, very close. Like What's yeah. that? I said Conan is big. He's Conan yeah. is big, and Conan yeah. denies two things: how tall he is, and then he went to Harvard. <laughs> he is he. When we wanted to do a trick with him that he would use a ring, uh-huh. we said you can just wear your Harvard ring. So I don't, I don't, I don't like people knowing that. Yeah, and he also, if you used to notice watching his show, he wouldn't stand up completely right. when people came out because oh. he didn't want to tower over people. Yeah. And when we did a show with Prince. Oh. I was talking, yeah, Prince, he'd have to go up on me. Very small person. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was a tiny man. Uh, Prince, we were talking and chatting and having a fine time. And then other people came in the room and Prince said to me, I want you at least 20 yards away from me so there are no pictures of you standing next to me. Oh, I don't want any pictures of you. didn't want to be seen yeah. as so so short. And you remember David Cassidy? Mm-hmm. Yes. Sure. I was doing a... Um, I was doing a show here called Sin City Spectacular, mm-hmm. and I was interviewing David Cassidy, and he walked out on stage, and I walked out and greeted him, and they stopped tape for no reason at all, and the manager came over and said, you you can't stand up when you meet him. When you greet him. And I said, well, I, I was raised to, yeah. isn't that polite? And they said, no, stay seated. <sighs> and I've had actually several people say, so I think Conan... Yeah. Does that kind of yeah. instinctively stand? Yeah. By the way, Letterman isn't short. Letterman is yeah. also awesome. Fuck you, Lauren Michaels. <laughs> yeah, fuck. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I've been doing it wrong because I've been medium this whole time. I'm like a nice like, medium lady uh, with big old titties. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But I think that he's kind of right. People in show business tend to be little. Oh. The example he used to lead with, of course, was your Aunt Mary. Yeah, well, you know. said Aunt Mary was a, <laughs> Aunt Mary was a genius. Yeah, well, Tom Cruise, yeah, Jesus he's Christ, a he's a lollipop and like... a gigantic head. Well, that is one thing I have going for me, America hustlers. My head is unusually large, but that's why babies like me because they can see me really well, mm-hmm. and I'm yeah. like big features, so they're like, oh. well, the big tits don't hurt with babies either. Yeah, yeah. you know, because of the milks. They, but I would say all yeah, soap stars. <laughs> It's true. I know I have what they like. But I I feel like, not that I've met a ton of celebrities, but a lot of people I know that work in TV and film are tiny. Yeah, well, and soap stars particularly for me, anytime I have met a soap star, they are so, they are lollipops. They are so, their bodies are so tiny, even the men, and their heads are ginormous. Well, should we talk about Fisher Stevens? I don't know who Fisher Stevens is. Oh, he's on Succession. Oh, Uh, and he's the one that has the head that sits on a pipe cleaner 
and he's just gigantic. Oh. You'll, you'll notice. Did you watch Succession? I have not. Okay. Well, when the guy comes in, you go, Jesus Christ. You go, I'll that's Fisher Stevens. Fisher, Fisher, Fisher Stevens. Stevens. I know all about him. Um, but when we did a, um, we were doing a, a movie uh-huh. with, uh, with Arthur Penn, you know, the great director who did Bonnie and Clyde. And Arthur Penn is, is, is a little, it's a little, little guy. And we were working on a scene. And Arthur Penn said, I know why they never cast tall people, and I will never work with a tall person again. Every reversal over the shoulder shot, we have to put the ceiling back in, and it looks terrible. And there's no good shot to get with you talking to somebody. He said, we just have to have you sitting down all the time. The first movie we did was called Invisible Thread that Bob Balaban directed, and there is a scene. I like Bob Balaban. Yeah, also Little. So tiny. So tiny. He directed uh, the first commercial I ever did here in Vegas randomly. I was a girl at a party. <laughs> for, I don't want to brag. Was it a Vegas commercial? It was a Vegas commercial. Yeah, we were in that commercial too. Oh, yeah. Not at the same time. You were not my party. No, but we were. We, I believe we're in the same commercial. Yeah, I love that. That was how we first became friends. Oh. And and, uh, <laughs> and Bob, Bob Balaban, uh, there's a lot of scenes in that where I'm talking to an eight-year-old boy. Oh. And Bob... <laughs> and Bob <laughs> and Bob Balaban was just going. I we gotta. Uh, we're seeing. Uh, we're seeing the lights, lights and yeah. we gotta. We gotta move all the lights that are on the child. We gotta move because we're shooting over the shoulder. We're shooting straight up into fucking space. <laughs> uh, we gotta cheat this, and then they would cheat it and say now. You can tell we're cheating it. Yeah. And when we're shooting Penn's point of view, it's just the kid is entirely framed by floor. <laughs> we got to get something in there and we got to get the, this is just. Why didn't so, they just have you take a knee? I know I should, I should, <laughs> I should take a knee. And at that time I was, I was, you know, black lives matter. I should have. <laughs> you should have yeah. just. I should have been knee. taking a knee anyway. The, yes. All the time. Thank you. All the time. Uh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, so uh, little people in uh, in show business like to Mary. I have two questions. One, Invisible Thread. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that any? I don't think that's available anywhere. Is it? It's not. We own it. Okay. It actually, it actually uh, came back to us, and it's not bad. And uh, Bob Balaban directed it. We wrote it, and it is Andy Warhol's last appearance. <gasps> Andy Warhol is in it, and um, what was his height? Yeah, Andy Warhol was n- normal. Yep. Um, what, what were his kids in that like? One way. <laughs> yeah. That was the only way. <laughs> yeah. The only way. Average height. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Andy Warhol just said, "Well, I can't change my height, so let's change <laughs> everything, everything else." else. Um, it was a very weird cast. Um, we had G. Gordon Liddy, you know, the Watergate criminal who Ooh. went to prison for the Watergate, and uh, Bob Balaban said, um, "I want to cast G. Gordon Liddy in this," and I went, "He's." He's a criminal. Yeah. And and Bob said to me, and I still remember this, Bob said, if we had a guy from the inner city who did time for murder and then was getting out, and I said we wanted to cast him, he would say, oh, this is really good to help people rehabilitate. But the fact he was Watergate and the fact that we're liberal says that we're not going to hire him, I went, I guess we're working with G. Gordon Liddy. Yeah. 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 And I remember- um, I do hold a grudge. Eddie Gorodetsky- Funniest man in the world. He writes everything you've ever seen on TV. Um, all the stuff you see that's Chuck Lorre. Uh-huh. That's all Eddie. Uh, he works with Chuck on everything. And you know that show Mom? 
Yeah. Eddie, yeah. Eddie created that. Oh, and What's-His-Name loves What's-Her-Name. He created that. Uh-huh. And um, he writes Big Bang Theory. Oh, yeah. And he writes... All uh, the ones that make money that I don't watch. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, so he knows the formula. He does. Two, two and a half men, he writes that. All right? that. Oh, yeah. all, writes all those. Everything. They all like successful sitcom of the last decade. So yeah. I was sitting with um, with uh, G. Gord Liddy, <laughs> Andy Warhol, and we were sitting having lunch. The names in this podcast it's, alone. It's so G- unbelievable. I always think he's joking, and then I'm like, no, he's being No, he's G. Gord Liddy, <laughs> Andy, Andy Warhol, no. and Amazing Randy. You know, Amazing Randy, yes, the course. debunker. And Eddie walked up and say, I want to see the hate list for this team. <laughs> <laughs> and walked away. And I did the same joke again. We opened on Broadway. Yeah. We had um, Lawrence O'Donnell Jr., okay, mm-hmm. from MSNBC, oh. Greg Gutfeld from Fox News, mm-hmm. and Glenn Beck were at our opening. Wow. And Gilbert Gottfried. And the four of them were standing together and knowing that Eddie was really funny, I walked over and said, is there anyone in America that likes everyone in this group? (laughs) I don't think there is. I think when you've got Glenn Beck, Greg Gutfeld, Lawrence O'Donnell, you've got almost everybody, then you throw in Gilbert Gottfried. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Except you. It might be you. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So we all know that ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online, right? But there's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. If you're like me and you've run out of stuff to watch on Netflix, this will change your world. I tell you, I'm using it right now. I'm over in London and uh, they don't let me watch uh, my HBO Max, which I've paid for. They don't let me watch it over here. So I uh, go to my VPN, I uh, set it up so that it thinks I'm in New Jersey, then I can watch uh, my HBO Max. You can binge The Office on UK networks. It also works the other way. If you're in the US, tell me you're in the UK. Uh, You can really control where you want sites to think you're located. You can then choose from almost 100 different countries. So just imagine all the Netflix libraries you can go through. Love Korean dramas? Use ExpressVPN to parasite off South Korean Netflix. It's uh, it's really, really good. It's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works, as I said, on uh, uh, you know Hulu, uh, a, a BBC Player, YouTube, uh, you name it. There's a there's a hundreds of VPNs out there, but there's a reason I use ExpressVPN to watch these shows because it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag. You can stream in HD, no problem. I tell you, I'm using it all the time over here, and I use it also back at home. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, go to expressvpn.com slash pen. Right now, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash pen. Expressvpn.com slash pen. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash pen. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. (laughs) 
It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Okay, here's my second question. I can't wait. Pen. As part of the side hustle, right. one of the things that we like to ask our guests yeah. is, at being as successful as you are, uh, somewhere along the way, was there a side hustle? Because it's weird for you because sometimes side hustles are going on like The Apprentice. That can be a side hustle mm-hmm. for you yeah. since this is your your main gig. But was is there or or was there one in particular or something that stands out to you as a side hustle that just... That you were like, what am I doing here? What was yeah. wrong? Well, was I it the USS I've Constitution? I've had real trouble with that. Um, uh, I tend to be... Um, well, both Teller and I are incredibly pretentious. Um, <laughs> we really tend to be uh, snobby and arty. And I tend to be that worst kind of snob that also uh, elevates cheap art to a high level. So I'll be someone that'll be snobby about uh, Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead and the Ramones and oh. stuff like that. I'm snobby about that stuff. And I've always had this um, disdain for mainstream entertainment. When I was in uh, high school, I, I wouldn't watch TV. I hated MASH and All in the Family, thought that those were grotesque and disgusting everything i hated about america and i uh the bands i listened to were you know 20th century classical and noise music and you know i was uh, i was a early fan of the ramones when they played art museums which is where they started all the arty stuff like the residents out of san francisco i was working streets i was a street juggler uh for a long time and i'm you know homeless essentially living on the streets juggling on the streets Teller and I did the Asparagus Valley Cultural Society, which was our first show with the third person, we're Christopher. We had a huge amount of success, um, but we were playing like uh, 965 shows. I remember that because the producers told me if we did 1,000, it would mean something. Oh. Uh, but we quit after 965 <laughs> shows. Uh, three so years. Means, so, so those 965 mean nothing. So yeah. we were uh, in San Francisco. I was... I don't know, 25, 26. And I was doing eight shows a week at a theater that was like uh, 100 seats. Mm-hmm. With yeah. the Asparagus Valley? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I was doing a show that I'd written when I was 19 with them. And we had a huge amount of success. We were the longest running show at that time in San Francisco. 
we had gotten good reviews in the mainstream papers, but we were also considered, I mean, I would hang out with the residents and the dead Kennedys and uh, all the, all the, it's so all the hipsters of that time yeah. and considered myself a hipster yeah. and was, uh, and was set, you know, I Devo and sub genius and all those people were the kind of people that I considered to be, or I hoped to be my peers, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm also old enough that the idea of selling out still means something that's gone to anybody under 40. I think they just think, well, any money you can make in show business, make it. But I still had this idea that you didn't do commercials. You didn't do this and that. Teller and I, by the way, were set to do our whole life like that. We thought we'd never play a theater over 150 seats. And we were happy with that. I mean, that's the part of the story that is so hard to get across. We didn't want to be on Broadway. Yeah. We did not want to be in Las Vegas. We wanted to be playing our little artsy show right. at little artsy theaters for the rest of our life and then uh, supplement that income working cruise ships and doing magic gigs, you yeah. know, uh, Renaissance festivals. We never intended to do anything mainstream. So we got off Broadway. Yeah. And then there were articles in Rolling Stone and People Magazine, stuff like that. And that was okay. And you felt okay with that? I felt okay with that, okay. kind of, but a little bit creepy. And then it was Saturday Night Live, which was a show I always hated because it was so unhip. And you know, I saw, <laughs> I just I just thought there Not were a bunch of- Tiny Lorne. Yeah, yeah. Bunch of, a bunch of stoners making stupid jokes. <laughs> you know, I really didn't like it at all. And as tell- you, How would you know, though? Because you didn't watch TV. I watched the first show. Okay. And Teller used to do this great description of every Saturday Night Live bit, which I think is the greatest description of a Saturday Night Live bit. State the premise. Restate the premise. Another character comes in, states the premise again. State the premise again. Third character comes in, states the premise as though it were a surprise. Pull back. Cue laughter late. Uh, pretty good formula. Pretty good. I feel like now I can really write a sketch. I, I, honestly, I'm like, we, we're booked. We got yeah, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big thank you to our sponsor, NBC. and <laughs> I had made a promise to myself that I wouldn't yeah. do television until I turned 30. Because I thought people who did television before they were 30 went crazy. You know, I, I mean, you're not wrong. I knew Robin. I knew Robin Williams in San Francisco. Yeah. I watched a lot of people, you know, um, go crazy doing television before they were 30. Belushi. And I said, well, you know, I have kind of an obsessive personality. Mm-hmm. And so they, 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 they offered me things when I was like 26, 27 to do situation comedies. And I said, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, the week of my 30th birthday, I did Saturday Night Live and David Letterman. Oh. And David Letterman was, in, in my mind, very, very hip. And uh, I was also, uh, Saturday Night Live was okay. You'd gotten okay with it at that point. Well, okay you that. were living in New York at this time. Yeah. And also everybody was blowing us, you know, like the, all the mm. hip magazines were saying these guys are hip. Yeah. So I, nice. it was kind of okay. Yeah. Cause we were kind of, we weren't like uh, they're doing a cheesy show. Yeah. It was kind of You're our cool. show. And then I was going yeah. on Stern and Stern was yeah. certainly edgy. I was going like three days a week. I was on with Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah. Can't go wrong with that. And Kennison, who I never really got along with, but was certainly a little bit out. Yeah. You know, and Judy Tenuta, who yeah. was out. All and Emo fringe. Phillips, who were yeah. out. These were all people in the 80s, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I mean, no, I don't know them. I don't remember them. But you, you heard those names. <laughs> no, no, I do. I, yes, I'm yeah. aware. <laughs> and uh, then all of a sudden, all of we went to Broadway. Yeah. 
And it was kind of okay because I was at the time going out with Debbie Harry and hanging out with Lou Reed and that kind of balanced it because I'd see, you know, you'd go to the theater with Lou and you kind of go, this is okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then things just started slipping and we were asked in the 90s, I guess, maybe later to do the Hollywood Squares. Oh, that's... And when we were asked to do the Hollywood Squares, I just said, no, we can't We can't do the Hollywood Squares. And they said Martin Mull was on it. Mm-hmm. Now, Martin Mull was, to me still, the epitome of intelligent art. I mean, Martin Mull did Fernwood Tonight, mm-hmm. which if you've never seen it... I love Fernwood Tonight. I've never watched Fernwood Tonight place. invented... All comedy in the 80s and 90s. Everything Letterman did was taken from Fernwood Tonight. Yeah. Everything SCTV did, taken from Fernwood Tonight. Mm. Everything Saturday Night Live did, taken from Fernwood Tonight. This is the problem. In the 80s, I only had PBS. We were yeah. poor. The, uh, <laughs> I the, missed it all. The real... Uh, <laughs> or hip, as Penn would call it. The idea yeah. of irony as a mainstream entertainment was Fernwood okay. Tonight. Okay. Uh, and it was... Martin Mull was incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. first place Tom Waits appeared. Oh. Tom Waits was one of the comedy people on there. Um, wow. And uh, Tom Waits would come on, and Martin Mull uh, played this incredibly uh, with um, Fred Willard. Yes, yes, oh. yes, yes. It was Fred yeah. Willard and Martin Mull hosting a show out of Fernwood that was a talk show. And, you know, these are two guys who, when they do improvisation, mm-hmm. as Martin Mull said, doing improv with Fred Willard, is like following a person in your car who doesn't use directional signals. <laughs> he said, you can look in his eyes and you can't get a hint of where he's going or what he's doing. He's absolutely in the moment. And he said, there is no sense that he knows anything is funny. He said, never mind not giving a wink. He said, you can put him on sodium pent under, under, a, under a, uh, a lie detector and there is no hint that there's something behind that character. He just goes. So there was Martin Mull was on Hollywood Squares and Gilbert Gottfried, yeah. who I consider to be the funniest person in my lifetime yeah. and a very, very good friend, one of my closest friends. Gilbert had been on. Mm-hmm. But Gilbert was such a fucking genius that context did not matter at all. Mm-hmm. You put him on anything. You know, you put him on a talk show with Hitler and Gilbert would come through stronger than, oh, I'm watching a talk show with Hitler. (laughs) He was always bigger than whoever he was on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you could put him on Love Boat and Gilbert Gottfried (laughs) would be brilliant. Yeah. And people would watch it. Yeah. And he's also in incredibly shitty movies. And you go, I don't care. It's Gilbert. Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah. And I'm not mad. So uh, Hollywood Squares, you know. So Teller and I went on the Hollywood Squares. And you know it's we Henry in the same square. Henry, yeah, Henry Winkler, oh, uh, yeah. and we're on with like Batman and Robin from the '60s. I think we were on with great teams. Uh-huh. You know? Oh, okay. so um, it was the guys from you know uh, I don't even know some uh, some African American situation comedy with that's very very famous that that they those two were there Jamal and something and oh, uh, uh, and um, I think it was Martin Mull and Fred Willard and. Um, the whole thing. And, and I, and I went in and I did this a lot in the early TV and you can see it and it's embarrassing. I was really did not want to be there. Mm. So when you go on the Hollywood squares, I hate to deflate you here, but 
they give you the jokes you can do. They write all the jokes for you. I am deflated. No one's improvising. Yeah, your no boobs one, are not. No, are. no one was improvising. Oh. And Gilbert would read the joke they gave him. Yeah. Really? Which is the amazing thing about Gilbert. All the times you've seen him be brilliant and thought he was ad-libbing, a lot of times he was doing written material. Wow. But he just, I mean, it's like, he, it's like Groucho Marx. Yeah. Groucho Marx, you can't see anything for him written. Everything was written, you know, and he could deliver it that way. And I would, because they don't tell you, you got to do these. Yeah. They say, here's the right answer. Right. Mm-hmm. Here's a couple of wrong answers you can bluff. Yeah. Here's four jokes for everything. And you got wow. that all in front of you. I just wouldn't do any of those jokes. So I'm out there. You go rogue. Going rogue, doing actually my own stuff to try to be above the show. Yeah. And I'm, we're terrible. We're just terrible. Terrible. We did it again and we're terrible. And then Glenn, a lie who's me, he runs everything. He's my manager and agent and more than that, a friend. He said, um, just do the jokes. Yeah. Just do the jokes. How about you just do the jokes? Yeah. Yeah. And I went out and it was kind of a, it was kind of a heavy moment for me. Um, I went out and just did the jokes and they got laughs mm-hmm. and they felt like me. Yeah. yeah. People thought I made them up because these people are really good writers for the Hollywood squares. Yeah. And everybody knows everything. Everybody knows it's the Hollywood squares. I was trying to pretend that, you know, I'm doing the Hollywood squares, but it's being done by Steppenwolf. You know, you know <laughs> I, so I don't know what was going on right. in my mind, yeah. but I still was clutching at, at that thing. Yeah. You know? Well, you had an idea from like your youth that you're holding on to. That I wanted that to be. You wanted to believe yeah. in. Which of course it never crossed my mind that Bob Dylan had a top 10 single, you know? And on top of that, uh, Bob Dylan was on um, um, Dharma and Greg. He did a situation comedy. I didn't know that. Yeah, Bob Dylan did a lingerie ad for Victoria's Secret. We know why he did that. That yeah, that that you would have done that in a second. <laughs> um, so I just started realizing, and Billy West, who is uh, one of the best um, voice guys in the world, he's one of, he's one of the M and M's. And oh, he's, nice. he's, he's every sort of voice yeah. you hear, any sort of cartoon. Yeah. He's the voice. Um, I'm trying to think of one in particular, but he's done. He was on Ren and Stimpy and yeah. way back. Oh, yeah. And he's on SpongeBob. And, uh, and um, he said to me once that there's one show business. And that, that one sentence, there is one show business, was so, so profound for me. He said, yeah. the guy working as a Santa at the mall and Picasso and Stravinsky and porn stars, they all have the same job. There's no, nothing besides it's the same job. Howie Mandel, Picasso, same job. Yeah. It's what we do after the chores are done. Anyway, we're going to talk more on the next show, but for right now, that was Penn Sunday School. Cha cha cha. You become naked.
and Sunday school. You know, we love you. Hey, Matt Donald, you ready to thank? I do. I want to thank the people who support us over at patreon.com slash pen. These people support us at a higher level. Thank you. Jamie Swan, Will Jason, David, I want to finger your coont, Brenner, Tristan Connett, Omar Rivera, Mason Gooch, Sagebrush, Matthew Mishu, Luke Mellon, Eileen Hunter, Jason Andrew Davidson, Peter B. Clark, Matt Williams, Tom Boner Office McQueen, Soapy Fresh, Dan Griffith, Brad Sherlag, Mike Cavanaugh, Rafiki, Steve Feldman, Jonathan P., NewRuleFX.com, Eric M. Ryan, Chris Tehachapi, Loop McKinney, David, insert meta joke here, Ruse, Matthew O'Sullivan, Betsy Batter, Little Mandar, Axe Weird as Shit, but is enjoyed by Joe Bathar Bowers, Adam Stickney, Sax Guy Jimmy D, Nathan Julian, Christopher Harris, and Petty Officer Scoop. Thank you so much. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.